Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of CallUponTheLord.com. My name's Corey Wigington, and this is episode 16. This week we'll be diving into week 16 of The Great Story. We're going to be looking at the fall of Israel, and then a good king that came to the land of Judah, King Hezekiah. So some interesting stuff to cover this week. I'm very excited about it. Um, some administrative things before we get started. Uh, I've done some some work this week with some of the past videos that I've put up here on YouTube and you know that I post up on on Facebook and on my website too. Um, I've gone back, uh, put in a little bit different uh, introduction on them, uh, something that looks a little bit more professional, a little bit cleaner, uh, easier to read and such. Uh, those are now uploaded to YouTube. I, I will be deleting off the older videos uh, probably today sometime. So the problem that that's going to cause is all of the links that I have on my Facebook page, those are going to be broken now. So uh, never fear. You can still search on YouTube and find them. You can still go to my webpage and find them. Uh, but they're just going to be in a little bit different location because there's a, they're in a little bit different uh style I guess uh, like I said a different splash screen at the beginning also adjusted some of the audio levels on there because some people have complained that the audio on these is a little bit low and I guess that's just the environment that I'm in so uh, good things I guess it's uh, I'm, I'm very happy with how they've turned out I think they look nice and I hope you enjoy them as well so, before we get started, I do encourage you to go to the website, that's www.calluponthelord.com. Go ahead and obtain the study guide for this week. You'll find that in the Bible study section under Corey Wigington, The Great Story, and all of the past Bible studies, uh, the um, past study guides, audios, and everything for this entire series is on the website at that place, and you can get the new study guide there as well and I also put up a, a little blog about uh, uh, each week what I do kind of a, a little uh, summary of, of what I'm going to talk about so I do encourage you to visit the website and uh, absorb some of that material so let's go ahead and get started week 16 so last week we discussed Elijah and Elisha those were two prophets sent into the northern kingdom to spread the word of God, you know, to teach the word of God to the Israelites because they'd obviously forgotten who their God was. And to Elijah and Elisha, of course, was giving, given uh, miracle working powers so that their words, you know, they could tie that with, hey, I'm working miracles and I wouldn't be working miracles if I wasn't sent from God. So I am a prophet. I am sent from God. What I say is is the truth. So that's what uh, Elijah and Elisha were sent to do. Unfortunately, the children of Israel didn't choose to listen to them. So God sent many prophets up into the northern kingdom. Uh, the first two prophets that he sent, well, I, the, he sent several prophets. Let's, let's just stop there. Uh, the prophets that he sent were uh, Ahijah. Micaiah, Bariah, Hosea, Amos, Jonah, and Jonah actually went to Assyria, uh, went, went to the, the city of Nineveh to, to, <clears throat> to prophesy. Uh, of course, Jonah's his, his own little story. He actually fled from God when God told him 
you know, you know, let's go down to, to Nineveh to, uh, to prophesy. Jonah didn't like the Assyrians and didn't want them to be saved by God. So Jonah turned around and went the other direction. Of course, everybody knows the story of, of Jonah. Uh, uh, storm came up while he was on the boat. And even the, the men on the boat knew that you know, someone had uh, upset one of the gods. They just didn't realize it was the only true god that got upset. So Jonah told them, look, throw me overboard, and everything will be all right. Now, of course, he got thrown overboard. He got swallowed uh, by a great fish. And he still ends up in the city of Nineveh and prophesying like he was supposed to in the first place. Uh, but Jonah's a different story. I don't think we're actually going to cover the, the story of Jonah in, in this series. But uh, it is a very interesting series. And it kind of, from that story, you, you learn the lesson of when God wants you to do something, it doesn't really matter what you want to do. You're going to end up doing what God wants you to do. He'll, he'll make a way, and you'll do what he wants you to do one way or the other. So, kind of a cool little story. Um, anyway, so I, I guess the, the point of that is that you know God sent several prophets into Israel to, to show them the way, to show them that idolatry and the worship of, of false uh, gods was, was not the way that they were supposed to be behaving. But they didn't want to listen to those prophets. And it's kind of, you know, I have a note here, it's kind of similar to, to what Jesus experienced when he was doing his ministry said for three years, I mean, he was going around the nation of Israel and was healing the sick and he was you know, raising the dead. He turned water into wine. I mean, the, the Bible actually says that all of the things that he did could not be recorded in, in a book because he just did so much. And yet, what did they say about Jesus? They said that the miracle that he was working was done by the power of the of the demons and they didn't believe that he was the son of God that he was Messiah and they didn't even want to believe that he was a prophet uh, they rejected him outright of course we know that they ended up putting him on a tree and he died for our sins so things worked out the way that they were supposed to but the point is that Jesus was sent specifically to the nation of Israel uh, he wasn't sent to the Gentiles he was sent specifically to the Jews to say, hey, I am your Messiah, you know, I, I, I am your king, I am, I'm the one that was prophesied. And Israel rejected him, despite all the miracles that he worked. Miracles do not change people's opinion. They're kind of fascinating when, when they see them, and then they're kind of, you know, they kind of go out of your mind when, you know, you're, after you're out of that presence. So... It's basically what we saw with uh, Elijah and Elisha. They were out there, they were performing miracles, and you know, it didn't seem to make much of a difference because Israel continued into a, a downward spiral. Of course, we know uh, what each king following uh, another continued to do worse sins and worse sins. And, you know, the Bible continually says, and this king was worse than the king before him, and he did more evil in the sight of the Lord than anyone before him. I mean, it's just on and on, a cycle that went down, and there was really no stopping it. Of course, what happens is, you know, God sent all those messengers into Israel, 
Israel refused to, to turn from their wicked ways. And God decided, okay, it's time for your punishment now. I will judge you. And God used a worst people to judge the nation of Israel. He used the Assyrians. He, he raised up the Assyrian Empire and specifically used them to come in and destroy the Jews. So the Assyrian Empire at that time, of course this was around uh, well, 730 BC, uh, it's the period that we're going to be talking about today. The Assyrian Empire was the, the world empire at that time. I mean, they, they were the world power. There were many other nations, obviously, but the one that had the most military strength during this period in history were the Assyrians. Now, I have a map here that shows you the empire of the Assyrians, basically what they ended up ruling here. See, they had quite a bit of territory all the way down into Egypt. They, Of course, Egypt used to be a world power uh, several hundred years before this, but they ended up you know, falling off and being defeated, and the Syrian Empire ended up defeating them many times. Uh, Syrians took over Babylon uh, and all that area down in there, and you'll see that uh, they took over the nation of Israel. The only little circle that we see that is not the Assyrian Empire is Judah. So, Assyrians were a very vast empire, very strong, a lot of influence, uh, and they were the world power at this time. And this is what God used to judge the nation of Israel. So, with that introduction, now we get into kind of our downfall here. King Hosea. He became king in 732 B.C. And Bible says in 2 Kings 17.2 that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not as much as his fathers. So that kind of leads you to believe that you know, he wasn't promoting like the false religions and such, that he wasn't worshiping idols and, and doing things like that. However, he did he still did evil in the sight of the Lord. He didn't honor God in the way that you know the Lord had commanded. So he was an evil king, though not as evil as what previous kings had been. But that really doesn't matter because since all the kings before him had been evil and, and brought Israel to this point, just because this king wasn't quite as bad, that's not going to save Israel from destruction. So when Hosea came to power, he decided that he didn't like the Assyrian rule, though initially... Um, he became a vassal of, what is it, King Shalemansir V? Uh, basically a vassal, you know, he said, okay, I will, you know, I will be your servant and come to you and, you know, when, whenever you call. It's not the same, quite the same as surrendering, like surrendering your kingdom, but you still, you know, they are your, you are a vassal of, of a king. So, I mean, you've kind of given up some of your authority. Um, the other part is that he agreed to pay a tribute to Assyria. So Assyria wouldn't come in and just take them over and just, you know, wipe Israel out for good. Well, initially, when he came to power, that's what he, you know, that's what he was doing. He was paying that tribute, and Assyrian was kind of, uh, you know, backed off and, and wasn't going to attack them. However, when Hosea came to power, he decided, you know, 
We can stand against Assyria if we have Egypt's help. So what he does is he goes down he decides to uh, make a, a pact against Assyria with Egypt, makes a, a defense treaty. Well, the problem is Egypt wasn't the military power that they once were. They were quite a bit weaker than Assyria. Like I said, Assyria ends up defeating Egypt multiple times. Uh, and yet, that's what they... Uh, Hosea's big plan was that he would align himself with Egypt, and then when Assyria came in to attack, Egypt would come to their rescue. Well, that didn't exactly happen that way. Uh, Shalomanzir found out about Hosea's treachery. Uh, that's recorded in 2 Kings 17.4. So he's found out about his treasury with, uh, with Egypt, and he was infuriated that he had stopped paying the tribute. So Shalomanzir sent... Uh, sent troops in, captured Hosea, put him in prison, proceeded to attack Israel, uh, attack, you know, I think it's uh, laid siege to Samaria for three years, and ends up capturing all of the, the kingdom of Israel and sending them into captivity. Uh, now the Assyrians, they had a, a good military strategy for keeping people from revolting. Uh, it actually was, was pretty ingenious for the time, what they would do, they would go in, destroy an area, and you know they were very harsh conquerors anyway. They did many acts of, of terror, and I mean they were not exactly uh, kind when they took over an area. But regardless, uh, when they would go into an area, they would take the inhabitants that lived there, and they would ship them out to other parts of the empire. So the, the native people that lived in an area, they got moved somewhere else into the empire and moved away from their homeland. And new people would get put in their place. So foreigners from a different land would come in and get put into their place. Well, now what this did, and this did a couple things. First off, it made for a very diverse population. So you had people that didn't normally live together now living together uh, they didn't necessarily like each other didn't want to work together their customs were different their beliefs were different their languages were different so it was hard for them to to come together to organize to, to revolt in the first place secondly the incentive to revolt, uh, revolt was kind of lessened because what were you revolting for I mean, it wasn't like you were recapturing your homeland that was taken away from you. No, you were in a different land altogether. You were, you know, somewhere thousands of miles off or hundreds of miles off. I mean, you were nowhere close to where your homeland was. So it wasn't like you were you were fighting for the land that was given to your fathers. You were, yeah, you were kind of off somewhere else. So all of that kind of worked together to keep revolts down in, in the kingdom. Uh so, as I said, Israel ends up falling to the Assyrians. And let's go ahead and read why. That's in 2 Kings 17, 7 through 18. So let's go ahead and read that. And it says, 
And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against their God, the, the Lord their God, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the custom of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God things that were not right. They built for themselves high places in all of the towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves pillars and ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they made offerings on all the high places, as the nations did whom the Lord carried away before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes, in accordance with the law that I have commanded your fathers, and that I sent to you by my servants the prophets. But they would not listen, but they were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he had given them. They went after false idols and became false, and they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God, and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal. And they burned their sons and daughters as offerings, and used divinations and omens, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So basically what we see here is, Israel isn't following the commandments, isn't doing what the Lord told them to do, is doing exactly what the Lord told them not to do. They're following after other nations, worshiping other gods, they're sacrificing to other gods. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that they start out on the right path, and then by the end, they've done a complete 180, and are on the opposite side, doing exactly what the Lord had commanded them not to do. And finally, the Lord just gives them up and says, All right, if you don't want to follow me, if you don't want to do what I have commanded you to do, uh, then the hedge of protection that I've put around the nation of Israel to keep these other nations from destroying you, I'm going to remove, and that's it. The Assyrians came in, the Assyrians destroyed Israel. Their people were carried away, and they were lost. Those are the lost tribes of Israel. All the tribes that were in the northern kingdom that were carried away to the Assyrians, uh, to the rest of the Assyrian Empire, those are the lost tribes because they were intermingled with other people, other races, and they were no longer, you know, no longer kept themselves uh, within their tribes, and uh, you know, they were just they were lost. So, moving right along. Israel has been destroyed. Now we have Judah to deal with. But Judah has something that the northern kingdom never had. A good king. So in 725 BC, King Hezekiah comes to power. Now this is still during the time when 
the northern kingdom was being destroyed. Um, but it says of King Hezekiah, and I'll just read this here from my, my study guide. It says uh, in 2 Kings 18, 3 through 6. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places, broke down the pillars, and cut down the Asherah. And he broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from him, but kept the commandments of the Lord, commanded by Moses. So, there's a couple things there. First off, Hezekiah is a great king. But Judah was doing the same things that Israel was doing. They were following in, in the same footsteps. They were worshiping false gods. They, they had those high places. They, uh, it even says here, the, the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Moses? My goodness, that was, what, 1500 B.C.? So for almost a thousand years, you have this going on, where they're worshiping the bronze serpent that uh, that Moses ha had created. Um, you remember uh, there were snakes in the while they were in the wilderness. There were snakes in the camp that were biting people. People were dying. So Moses builds this uh, uh, bronze statue um, under the by the command of the Lord. And the Lord tells him, anybody that looks on the statue, they'll be, you know, they'll be all right. They'll be recovered from their injuries. I mean, this was something that the Lord had done. Basically, he had sent the snakes into the camp in the first place. And he had given this, this bronze statue as, you know, uh, comfort to them. Of, you know, that if you look at the statue, if you show your faith and look at this statue, you, you'll be healed. And instead, they've now taken this and are worshiping this statue, this this bronze staff. Uh, it's very wicked things going on here. Hezekiah puts a stop to it. He breaks his staff, says, you're not going to do that anymore. We're going to turn back. We're going to worship God. Now, <clears throat> it's a good thing that Hezekiah did this because Assyria, well, we just saw how big the Assyrian Empire was. Um little Judah is not going to be able to sustain any kind of attack from Assyria. Unless, of course, they have an ace in the hole, namely God. So, during the time period that uh, Assyria was destroying the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom also rebels, refuses to pay tribute, and basically you know, says, hey, we can take care of ourselves. We're going to stand on our own here. Well, very quickly, Hezekiah has to, to backpedal on that. Um, it says uh, that the uh, king of Assyria was very angry with, with Hezekiah for his disobedience, and he sent armies against all of the fortified cities that Judah had. And Hezekiah knew that he couldn't hold that kind of attack, so he basically sends an envoy to the king and says, well, Look, we're sorry. We, we are sorry. Um, whatever you want us to pay, we'll pay. Just just let us know, and, and we'll do it. 
Well, it ends up that Hezekiah ends up having to, to strip all of the gold and silver, you know, everything out of his own treasury, everything out of the house of God. He strips it all, sends it to Assyria, and Assyria is still not happy with that. They they want more. They are not uh, content with the small tribute that Hezekiah was able to come up with. So, uh, Assyrians demanded the surrender of Israel. It says Assyrians sent, uh, uh, they sent messengers into the land of Israel to convince them to surrender. I mean, it wasn't just that they were, you know, sending envoys to the king. They were actually in, to, in the land itself, and they were talking to the people. Uh, one of them is, is recorded here, and this is kind of kind of humorous. It's in Second Kings eighteen twenty-one through twenty-two. It says, "Behold, you are trusting now in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff." which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he, uh, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Basically what... Uh, what this messenger was trying to say was, Hezekiah has come to power, and look, he's tore down all of these altars and all of these these worship centers that you know where you could go and worship God. Uh, why are you trusting in Hezekiah? I mean, you, you've you know, obviously you've destroyed all these altars. You're going to anger your own God. Um, you're not going to be able to stand up against us. Really, didn't understand what Hezekiah was doing here. Hezekiah tore down all of the altars to the false gods. And when he said you have to come to, to this altar in Jerusalem to, uh, to worship, it's because that's where the temple was, and that's where they were supposed to worship at. So Hezekiah was doing the right things here. Assyrians didn't quite understand that, because you remember the Assyrians had a very pagan religion, very, very evil religion. Um, so we go on with the story. We see where Isaiah ends up sending word to Hezekiah. Uh, I'm not, not going to read all of what the Lord's response was, but basically Hezekiah is praying for deliverance here that the nation of Israel is is in some dire straits. And they're not going to be able to survive. But Isaiah is a prophet uh, that ministered in the southern kingdom, and he was here at the time of King Hezekiah. Uh, so when Hezekiah inquired with Isaiah about what would happen, this is this is what Isaiah said. He said, <clears throat> Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Your prayer to me about since the Cherub, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you, she scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion, she wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. Now I'm not going to read that whole whole uh, response there, because uh, it is quite lengthy what Isaiah says back to him. I just wanted to, to cover that one, one section there. The Assyrians were 
coming against the Holy One of Israel. They weren't coming against the armies of, of Judah. They were coming against God. And there's a difference there. God doesn't lose. So that's, that's basically Isaiah's response to him is, you know, you're coming against God, and uh, God will defend the, the nation of, of Judah because they have asked him to defend him. They've come back to him. They've you know, said that we're, we're going to serve you. They, they're on the right path again because of Hezekiah and because Hezekiah has inquired to the Lord for his help. Uh, the Lord is, is going to save them. So, it says, uh, in response to that, uh, the Lord sent an angel into the camp of the Assyrians and ends up killing 185,000 Assyrians in one night. That's a lot. One angel, 185,000 soldiers, just dead. That's going to stop a campaign. You know, that war engine that w was coming down to destroy Judah, you lose 185,000 men, that's going to stop that. And that's exactly what happened. They turned around and, and ran away. So Assyria was defeated, but not because of anything Israel did. It was all because of what God did. And because Israel had prayed to God, trusted in God, God was going to defend them. So they... You know, this is a pattern over and over again. They get punished. You know, they pray to God. God defends them. And then they, they go back downhill. So, you know, after this event, uh, the Bible starts talking about Hezekiah again. Uh, now, Hezekiah says he's suffering from, from some type of a disease. And Isaiah visits him and says, Hezekiah, the Lord has told me, put your house into order. Because you're going to die. And says uh, Hezekiah, he wept bitterly. Now, it really doesn't say why he wept bitterly. Uh, he, he did pray to, to God and you know, said, remember me, you know, I, I was your servant. And uh, you know, I tried to do the things that were right in your eyes. Uh, said he wept bitterly. We don't know. Um, the MacArthur Study Bible that I was uh, looking at uh, had, had a couple notes in there. It says, could have wept bitterly because he was afraid that the king of Assyria, uh, that uh, since Sherab that was just defeated, that he would be emboldened by uh, Hezekiah's death. That, you know, he would come back and he would do something bad to the, the nation of Israel because Hezekiah had just died. Or, he was concerned that his son wasn't quite ready to reign. Now, we'll talk about Manasseh here in a moment. But Manasseh was not a good king. So, besides being not a good king, well, he's probably too young at this time. But Hezekiah, he prayed to, to God and, and says, uh, before Isaiah had reached the, the mid-courtyard, uh, the word of the Lord had came to him and told him, go back and tell Hezekiah, because you have prayed, I have heard you. And I will give you an extra 15 years of life. So, again, the Lord is taking care of Hezekiah. You remember we talked about Hezekiah, about how good of king he was. Uh, it, taught, you know, it, it actually uh, compared him with King David about how he kept all the commandments and such. So, I mean, that's, that's very high praise for a king of Judah. So, 
Judah did experience a, a short respite here. I mean, they were under attack by uh, by Assyria, and there were a lot of you know, a lot of turmoil in the kingdom. But at least for this short period of time here, nation of Israel is safe. God has defended them from their enemies. They're not being taken over, um, though there are some problems still in the kingdom. For the majority of, of their problems, I guess, with the Assyrians. They're kind of put to, to rest for right now. And then King Hezekiah dies. And Manasseh becomes the king. So, when it talk about, talks about Manasseh, it says he became, uh, he became king when he was 12 years old. Now, it could be that he became a co-regent at that time. And that's not uncommon in those days, where you had basically two kings reigning at the same time. Uh, first off, it helps when you know you're when one king dies; it helps that power transfer to to go on. Uh, it does kind of mess up <coughs> some of the dates that we have for uh, for our dating, though. So we think that Manasseh was probably a co-regent when he became uh, king at the age of twelve. Um, co-regency, like I said, it uh, kind of some of the apparent inconsistencies with some of the dates in scriptures. This is one of the ways that you know we can kind of reconcile that is by saying, well, he was a co-regent with his father at that time, so it kind of compresses the time period or expands it or or whatever there. So. <clears throat> So when Manasseh came king, uh, Manasseh was an evil king. And even though his father had done the right thing by destroying all the high places and tearing down all the Asherah poles and, and all of that, it said that Manasseh rebuilt all of those high places that Hezekiah had destroyed. So basically, Israel was, or Judah was on this downhill path, and then Hezekiah comes along, and we start getting better, and then Manasseh. And straight down from there. So, Manasseh, he rebuilds all of this stuff. And, well, let's look at that in 2 Kings 21, 10 through 15. Twenty-one Let's read about what the, the Lord says about that. 2 Kings 21.10 says, And the Lord said by his servants and the prophets, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these abominations, and has done things more evil than all the Amorites did who were before him, and has made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing up Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. <clears throat> And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plumb line of the house of Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of my heritage and give them into the hands of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all of their enemies. Because they have done what is evil in my sight 
and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. That's pretty powerful right there. Lord has withheld judgment for, you know, a thousand years, basically. And now he's done with them. He's like, okay, you know, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. You owe me for saving you from slavery. But yet, from the time I brought you out of the land of Egypt, you have constantly served other gods. You've provoked me to anger on this, or, you know, uh, did vile things and broke his commandments. And the Lord's done with him. He says, look, Hezekiah, he was on the right track, and now Manasseh comes along, and you're right back where you started again because of this. Yeah, you're, you're done. I'm, I'm just going to start over. I'm going to let somebody come in and destroy you. Now, the Assyrians have already been taken care of. But about this time, Babylonians are starting to, to stir down there. And about 200 years from this point is when the whole Babylonian captivity happens. So, nation of Israel, nation of Judah... They started out on the right track, but they got lost along the way. Uh, with the, the break of, of Israel from Judah in the first place, uh, Jeroboam, he started all the, the main downfall for Israel. He's the one who married Jezebel and you know had all the um, idolatry and everything come in. Uh, Judah wasn't any better. I mean, they only had one good king. And after that good king, Manasseh comes along and, you know, messes up things. Now, Josiah comes along a little bit later. He is also a good king, but it's one of those things that it's a, a, too little too late. The prophecies have already been given. Uh, Judah is supposed to fall. And, you know, that's, that's just it. So, uh, they didn't listen to the messengers. And... God judged them because of that. And that's, you know, that's basically the lesson that we learned from this story. It's one of the, the lessons that is repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament. You know, the Bible's good about that. It doesn't just tell you something one time. It gives you multiple stories, multiple examples. In, in every situation, it's the same thing over and over again. It doesn't matter who the characters are. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It all boils down to the same thing. It's trust God, and he will defend you. Follow his commandments, and you'll be fine. When you go astray, that's when the problems start happening. And that's what we learn here from, from this story as well. It says God is faithful. Uh, he blesses those who serve him. And though he may hold his judgment on evil for some time, eventually those accounts are going to be settled. He can only bear evil for so long. I mean, he is a completely holy God. And, you know, he can't even look look upon evil. I mean, he is he's completely holy. He has to judge evil. And though through his mercy, he may give us time to repent of that evil, eventually the day's going to come where he just can't bear it anymore and He's going to give you over to whatever evil that uh, is in your life. That's that's what we learn from from this story here. So, if you're struggling with that, turn back to God, because that's where you need to be. He is the only answer. 
Well, that brings me to the end of the story for this week. Next week, I believe we're, we're set to cover the last couple of kings in Judah and how their captivity began. And then after that, we get to cover Daniel. And Daniel, he is a, a fascinating man. Uh, a lot of things to, to talk about Daniel. So, lots of good things coming up. I hope you join us back here for for those stories. Uh, we'll probably be back here. Gosh, you know, I really need to start doing these on Thursday again. So hopefully, join us back here next Thursday. That'll be the 7th. And we'll get through another story. So until then, keep on studying, keep on praying. God bless you, and come back next time.